I want to take a few moments today and talk about what the Bible says about raising extraordinary children. Raising extraordinary children. So uh, I want to start out with this from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment that came with a promise, so that it may be well with you that you may live long on the earth. You know, you're going to live longer on the earth when you say yes, ma'am, to your mama. Come on. Somebody. Hey, top 10 kids' prayers. Number 10. Dear God, I went to this wedding and they were kissing right there in church. Is that okay? Number nine, dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. (laughs) Number eight, dear God, it must be super hard to love all the people in the world, especially my brother. I don't know how you do it. Number seven, dear God, I love Christmas and Easter, but could you please put another holiday in the middle? There's nothing good in there now. I take this one a little personal. Number six, dear God, is it true my dad won't get in heaven if he uses his golf words in the house? I feel attacked. Number five, dear God, did you mean for giraffes to look like that or was it an accident? (laughs) Number four, dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I will show you my new shoes. Number three, dear God, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time just like I am. Come on. (laughs) Number two, dear God, when my mom makes leftovers, do I have to pray for the food all over again? (laughs) Maybe more so, huh? Number one, dear God, could you please send Mikey Johnson to another summer camp this year? Come on. Kids' prayers. You know, uh, when I, people who don't have kids definitely have ideas about raising kids that are entirely different than people who have kids. And I would say early in my ministry, I probably would have taught a message that would have sounded like uh, 10 Commandments for Raising Champion Children. And that would actually probably be a pretty good message, I think. But after a few years, I think I would be uh, going towards more like 10 Helpful Hints for Parenting. And um, now I would probably go 10 Helps for Hurting Parents. And... uh, Parenting is a top priority calling. Uh, And I would say all of us have the potential to have an impact on a child somewhere. Uh, Whether we are a mom, dad, whether we are an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent, uh, or literally just somebody in, in the world of the family that could have a positive influence. I, I, you know, we always wanted our girls and now our grandkids uh, to have positive role models around them. That's one of the re- great reasons to get involved in a church family and 
get around people who are full of faith and full of love and uh, that, that you could, your kids could go, I want to be like, like that. Parenting takes the full attention of both mom and dad, uh, of both fathers and mothers. It is so easy now to be distracted by all of the stuff that's going on in this world and to really stay focused on being a great parent is, uh, is a difficult task, really. And I do want to address, I have often preached about and taught about the value of a father in the life of a child. Mothers usually have a tendency to lean towards family and care for their children like kind of naturally. Dads can get distracted by so many things, but there is no substitute for a, a healthy, godly father figure in the life of a child. Some may say, amen. I think a lot of the ills in our society are, are built around the lack of fatherhood that exists throughout our world. The purpose of God that's been put into your child, and your child has a purpose, uh, just like you have a purpose, that purpose can't be left to chance. Uh, God thought enough of your child to give them to you. He's entrusted our children to us. And the truth is, you may feel like you're a good parent. You may struggle with how well you parent. But, but the, our kids could have been put into any other kind of situation, but God knew they needed a parent like you, needed a, a family like you. And God has a plan for uh, our kids. That's why you get to be their parent. So as a parent, I think one of the first things to, to, to recognize is we've been given a stewardship of a life. And our main stewardship in raising our kids is toward God. In other words, when, uh, especially as our girls were, were growing up, I, we, have, we made decisions about things they could or couldn't do or places they could or couldn't go. And uh, there, was, there were occasionally moments where they weren't happy with our decision. What? And I would always sit them down and go, honey, I am, I am way more interested in God's approval of me as a parent rather than your approval of me as a parent. And I think it's good to have relationship with your child and, and in such a way that you love them and they love you and you've invested uh, equity into that relationship. Uh, rules without relationship often breeds rebellion. But I just want to remind you that you are their parent. You're not their pal. Try this side of the room. You are their parent, not their pal. And, and so it's our job as parents because when they're little, even when they're teenagers, uh, they, they, we've got to put up the guardrails for their life. They don't know how to make good decisions yet. They don't know, 
discretion or discernment or good judgment. I know. I don't know if you ever gone bowling where they put those guardrails up uh, in the bowling lane so that you can, no matter if you throw how you throw the ball, it hits against something. And we just got to remember that the kids absolutely need boundaries. They if if we love them, we will give them boundaries. We will help them understand what is wrong, what is right, what attitudes are good, what attitudes are not good. Uh, you know, the, the truth is, if you just left it up to your kid entirely, they would eat ice cream for dinner every night. They'd watch TV all the time. They'd play video games constantly. They'd be lazy. Maybe I'm not talking about kids. Maybe your mama ought to have told you no one time, right? Kids could grow up with bad attitudes. Kids could grow up and have rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child, right? Kids will self-destruct if they're totally left to themselves, and so while, especially as our kids are in our world and young, we're, we're giving them rules, not to teach them rule-based living, but what we're trying to teach them is to discern principles that they can live by, right? Our goal is to raise happy, healthy, well-adjusted, productive children, Children who know how to play team in life. Because if you can't learn to play team in life, you're never going to win, ever. And who grow up to be an asset to the kingdom of God and to society at large. Anybody with me on this? Yeah? So a couple of simple ideas that crash against the culture we live in that Ephesians 6 teaches us. And the first idea that I want to talk about is this. Number one, teach them to obey. Ephesians 6, somebody just went. Six, Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obedience. It's not a popular word. I find I put quotes from my messages up on social media. It's always interesting to me uh, the quotes that get a ton of likes and the quotes that hardly get any likes. And if I were to put up some kind of quote about you would be better off if you learn how to be obedient. I don't think I'd get a ton of likes on that. Obedience is not a popular word in our culture. And let me just say, it's not parents obey your kids. It's kids obey your parents. Your kids want you to obey them. I'm feeling the good vibes in the room. 
kids want to be the center of attention, the center of the home. They want you to obey them. And one of the healthiest things that we could ever do for our kids is to teach them in our home, you're not the center of the universe. As a matter of fact, in our home, our marriage is the center of our home. A great, healthy, lasting home life is going to have marriage at the center. Your kids are selfish. So are you. So am I. They're selfish because they're people. And one of the best lessons we could ever teach our children is for them to realize you are not the center of the universe. Children need to be loved unconditionally. Children need to know their value. They need to know how important they are. Children need to be affirmed for any good thing they do. But you can't let them think they're the center of the universe. I remember one time we had gone, I think it was Bush Gardens or something like that, and um, Elizabeth was like five years old or so, something in that range, which made Tori around seven. And uh, we'd had a great day, but um, that particular day, uh, Elizabeth wasn't on her best behavior. Uh, and I remember us getting in the car, long day, hot, sweaty, getting in the car, and we got in, and Suzette turns around and says, Tori, honey, I appreciate your good attitude today. And then it just sat quiet for like 30 seconds, and all of a sudden Elizabeth goes, hey, what does that mean? <laughs> Kids want to be the center of your family, of the world bad. They will cry. They will pout. They will pitch fits. They will throw temper tantrums. <laughs> Somebody said, you just described my coming to church this morning. <laughs> they will play mom against dad. They will play dad against mom. And I'm going to say, it is not easy to maintain the fact that parents are the center of a healthy family. But parents, we need to teach our kids how to obey. The Bible talks a lot about this, and you got to understand, obedience doesn't earn your salvation. Jesus paid the price. My faith embraces that. That's how I get saved. But your value in the kingdom of God, your value as a healthy citizen of society is really hinges a lot on can you be obedient? So let me read a few scriptures to you just to kind of point this out. Exodus 19, verse 5, Now then, if you will indeed obey, somebody say obey, obey my voice, keep my covenant, 
Then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. Deuteronomy 28.1, Now it shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. 1 Samuel 15, 22, Samuel said, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than a sacrifice, to heed the voice of the Lord than the fat of rams. Jeremiah 7, verse 23, this is what I commanded them, saying, obey my voice, I'll be your God, you'll be my people, you'll walk in all the way which I command you, that it may be well with you. In other words, over and over, obedience releases blessing into our life. Hebrews 13, verse 17, talking about our spiritual leaders, the Bible says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account to God. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Last scripture is Isaiah 119. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. The Bible consistently ties obedience to blessing. You'll be blessed if you can learn to be obedient. If, if you can do what you're told. I know that just crunches against culture. If you can do what you're told when you're told. We used to tell our kids this, and I believe it's spiritually very true. Delayed obedience is disobedience. If you don't do it when you're told to do it, that's disobedience. And that's the same way in our relationship with the Lord. Sarah Edwards uh, was the wife of the great theologian Jonathan Edwards, uh, considered one of the top theologians ever to live in the United States. He was a, 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 a head of the Great Awakening. Um, what, one of his sermons is so well known that caused the Great Awakening. And I just thought this was interesting. They had a bunch of kids, by the way. But let me read this to you. It's a little longer than I would normally read. Uh, and it's a little old style in words. But it, it points something out that I think is valuable. Sarah knew how to make her children regard and obey her cheerfully without loud, angry words, much less heavy blows. She seldom punished them, and in speaking to them, used gentle and pleasant words. If any correction was necessary, she did not minister it, administer it in passion. Uh, when she had occasion to reprove and rebuke, she would do it in a few words, without noise, she had need to speak but once. She was cheerfully obeyed because she convinced her children of the reasonableness of her, her request, murmuring and answering again by the kids were not known among them. The kind and gentle treatment they received from their mother while she strictly 
uh, maintain her parental authority seemed naturally to promote a family respect and affection which, uh, and to lead them to a mild, tender treatment of each other. Quarreling and contention, which too frequently take place among children, were not even known in her family. In other words, her kids got along because she set boundaries for them all. She carefully observed the first appearance of resentment and ill will in her young children, showed her displeasure, and suppressed it to the uttermost. Not by angry, wrathful words, which often provoke children to wrath. Her system of discipline was begun at a very early age. It was her rule to resist the first as well as every subsequent exhibition of temper or disobedience in the child, wisely reflecting, listen to this, that until a child will obey his parents, he can never be brought to obey God. Wow. We don't discipline our kids for just being kids. If they spill their drink at the table, that's just because they're a child. When we do discipline them is when they are being willfully disobedient, when they're being rebellious, or they're being, or they're lying. And I, I'm just saying... If, if we taught our kids the principle of obedience, when I look at some of the news clips of what people choose to do in our society and the way they break into places and beat on people and hurt people, and I'm thinking, this, if this person has never been taught to obey the laws of the land, They've never been taught to obey the, the, the laws that could govern a healthy human society. If we could teach our kids the principle of obedience, they become so valuable to God. They become so valuable to their employers. What boss would love to have a, an employee that just says, okay, I'll do it. They'd be so valuable to their church. They'd be so valuable to their entire world. Let's teach our kids to obey. Amen. Thank you for seven of you enjoying that idea. Second idea uh, is teach them honor. Ephesians 6, 2 says, honor your father and mother which is the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, with a promise that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. I think it's amazing that one of the Ten Commandments, the foundation for the moral code that keeps society together, one of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and honor your mother. Because they are your father and they are your mother. We're not honoring them because of their accomplishments. We're not honoring them for how perfect they are. Because the truth is, if you want to spot a, a reason not to honor by looking at somebody's behavior, then nobody would be honored anywhere. Everybody has a fault. Every parent, every mom, every dad, every grandparent, every uncle, every, every person. And the flesh often looks 
for a defect or a fault to justify not honoring. Honor cuts against our culture. Uh, uh, you watch any newscast, whether it's a conservative newscast or it's a, a liberal newscast, there's no honor, spirit of honor in it at all. We believe in honor, honor up, honor down, honor all around. Every person deserves honor in their life. And we've got to teach our kids to honor their father and their mother. In other words, we've got to teach them how to honor imperfect authority. Because throughout every one of our lives, we're going to face authority somewhere. It's going to be your teacher. It's going to be a policeman. It's going to be the government. It's going to be on a sports team. It's going to be at school. It's going to be in church. It's going to be at work. It's going to be at home. In other words, if you can't learn the lesson of honoring authority when you're in a loving situation, then you're going to have a lot of difficulty. You're going to face authority somewhere. And if you can learn how to honor it, if we could teach our kids how to, how to honor it, and it, it, would be, it would be hard to find any arena in life where eventually we're not going to have to face authority and learn how to honor it. If, if our kids have not learned a healthy mindset on honoring authority, they're always going to be working against the flow of God's blessing in their world. Now, I know somebody is going, yeah, but you don't know about this or that. Or, and I could qualify this for the next 20 minutes, but I, I am going to say this is certainly not some kind of endorsement for following abusive authority in life. It, it, but it is a spirit, a principle, that if we could teach honor our world becomes a beautiful place. I don't know if you've noticed this about Asheville, but people love to put bumper stickers on their car. Have you seen it? <laughs> Sometimes there's so many you can't even read them all. Now, I have often seen a bumper sticker in Asheville that said, question authority. I don't know that I've yet seen a bumper sticker that ever said, honor authority. I imagine that wouldn't go over very well. Honoring authority. We, we, we were taught, Suzette and I growing up, and, and we taught our children this, and maybe a lot of this is just our southern upbringing spilling out. But we, just, we taught our kids, you honor adults because they're adults. In other words, you don't ever call an adult by their first name. You show honor at least to the fact that they are an elder, that they are older. You go, Mr. Kirk, Miss Suzette. You never get to call. You don't pull them down on your level. You honor in society. We taught our kids, you don't just say, yeah, no. You go, yes, sir. No, sir. 
Now, you may not like that style, but it doesn't bother me. I love that style. And the reason we do it is because we're teaching them to honor. We taught our kids, if an adult speaks to you, you speak back. You don't get to turn your head and ignore an adult speaking to you. I'm saying if we can teach them to honor the authority of their parents who love them and want God's best for them, God's blessing will flow into their life. I don't know that this honor and obedience, of course they go together, and I realize this isn't easy. But I just want to say, children are worth the effort. Their destiny is worth the effort. Now, our children have been entrusted to us as parents. Our children have been entrusted to us as a church. And I'm, I'm, I'm committed to this. We're going to pray over our kids. We're going to love them unconditionally. We're going to teach them to be obedient. We're going to teach them to honor authority. We're going to raise them up to be an asset to God and to our society. I would love to pray with you today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Father, we come before you today, and uh, we, we've, we face the, the challenge of what this is all about, but we know that you have in your heart, in your mind, huge blessing in line for our kids. Give us wisdom, give us grace, give us strength, give us courage. Father, wherever there are children in our world that we can have an influence on, especially for parents. I'm thinking of all these parents today that dedicated their children, this service, the previous service. Father, help them, give them Give them wisdom. Give them a prophetic eye. Give them the courage, God, to raise their children in a way that honors you. Hey, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, I would love to pray with you today. Maybe you're here today. You've never actually personally surrendered to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Let's start that journey together. Maybe you're in this room and you're watching online and you know that there was a time when you used to be close to the Lord, but you're not there now. Something has happened. You made a bad choice. Something hurt you. Something knocked you off track. Whatever the reason is, this is your moment to come back home, to, to find yourself in the arms of God's love and grace and mercy once again. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, honestly, I just, I want a relationship with God, but I don't feel confident about where I stand right now. Would you pray with me? And so if any of that speaks to you, you've never surrendered to Jesus, you've fallen away, or you just don't feel confident, you say, Pastor, would, would you pray with me? Uh, I really want a real relationship with Jesus. Would you just lift your hand behind and say, that's me. Would you pray for me all over the room? God bless you. Come on, just be honest right now. Thank you so much. Thank you here. Thank you all over the room. Just lift your hand. Thank you so much. 
Hey, listen, this is the first step of a journey for sure, but it's, but it's an important step. If you find yourself in a place that you're not really where you feel confident about where you are with God, let's pray together. Anybody else that just wants to lift their hand and say, yeah, that's me. Thank you, sir. Come on. Thank you, dear. Thank you so much. Hey, we're all going to pray this together. A bunch of hands went up across the room, but I would love for us all to say this prayer together out loud. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I've messed up. I come to the cross where you have pardoned my iniquities. You have forgiven my sin. Today is a fresh start and a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord?